yielding more influence to be able to work with other influencers and to yield more business, that's where it's at. Once you realize the power of leveraging influencers, you'll want to yield more influence yourself. Are influencers still a thing for marketing your business? We're going to find out today with Neil Schaefer. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, helping home professionals, industry influencers, and creatives accelerate their business through an improved social media presence by translating digital influence into physical success. Whether your focus is interior design, travel and tourism, or hospitality, this is your social media tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Jethro Powell. And I am joined by the sleepy <laughs> ginger, Natalie Ann Graff. Natalie, how the hell are you? Sleepy. Sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like Captain Obvious. Speaking of Captain... Better than Captain Underpants. Well, this is true. Speaking of Captain Obvious, I mm. think um, our daughter and I had a really good laugh at you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. The other day we were headed home, uh, first day of school... Mm, Abby didn't go back to school because she goes to a private school, so she had to go back. We're on our way home from school, and I get a text message that comes across to the truck that says, it's raining, and Abby looks up, and she goes, hey, Nana. She goes, the sky's blue. (laughs) And we just laughed the whole way home about how you just stated the obvious, and it wasn't but 20 minutes later, or 10 minutes later, her mom calls on the phone and goes, hey, I'm just checking to make sure you're okay, honey, because it's raining, and we just went on and on and on about... Well, forgive us for caring about your safety uh, okay. in inclement weather. <laughs> I'm just saying it was Make hilarious. Fun of me. It was hilarious. I was actually wondering if soccer was getting canceled. Oh. That was the point of it's raining. Oh. But no, no, but make fun of me. Cap- we did. Captain we did. Obvious. We did. Captain Obvious. Yes, I am sleepy, but, you know, Captain Natalie, Obvious. Natalie, you know as in the social media marketing business that influencers have a huge impact on marketing, and becoming an influencer can be very impactful for your business, but also working with influencers is still a thing, and it's change from being the Kim Kardashian type influencers to the micro influencers, the mac, the macro influencers, macro, <laughs> the macaroni, nano, macaroni influencers, banana, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Oh my lord, you, <laughs> you are sleep deprived. <laughs> I am, but you know what? This next guest, I think, is really going to try to help you out there, darling. Yeah, I want to talk to him about using influencers for marketing and growing your reach on social media in particular. And our guest's name is Neil Schaefer. And who is Neil Schaefer, you're asking? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Neil Schaefer is the founder of the digital marketing company, PDCA Social. He also teaches digital marketing at Rutgers Business School, the Irish Management Institute in Ireland, ooh, Guinness, and the University of, oh my God, I cannot pronounce that. I'm going to take a stab at it and see if I was close. Ready? Um, Eva Skyla. Finland. That's my guess. Okay, we're going to ask him. Neil has been invited to speak about digital marketing on four continents in more than a dozen countries. He wrote four books on social media, including the recently published The Age of Influence. In addition, Neil is the host of Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Neil Schaefer to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Neil Schaefer. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing awesome, Darla Powell. How are you? I'm really excited to be here. I'm pumped. <laughs> well, I I'm it. suddenly super pumped as well. Wow, you have that effect on people. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Let's just say you have a very positive influence. 
<laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, before we get into the podcast, I took a wild stab at this Finland university, the University of Have No Clue. How do you, how do you pronounce that? Yavaskala. Yavaskala. I was close. I wasn't bad. I wasn't too far off. I think my emphasis was on a different syllable there, but not too bad. Before we get into our influencers still a thing... And should we be using them to help us market our business? Tell us a little bit about your background and what makes you such a fine expert on this subject. Sure. Well, I have been in digital and social media marketing since I launched a consultancy back in 2010. So I've worked with a lot of businesses as a consultant, written a few books. My most recent book is called The Age of Influence is all about influencer marketing, as you can imagine. I also teach executives at a few universities, the University of Yavaskala being one of them. Uh, Rutgers Business School is more close to home. And I do a lot of speaking at Social Media Marketing World. I've spoken there every year. I've spoken on four different continents, you know, more than a dozen countries, and I consider myself an educator at heart. So it's really an honor to be here today to see how we can help all those designers out there looking to better leverage social media and influence. I love it. What a great attitude. I'm telling you, seriously, I'm pumped. You're, you're really, it's like contagious. It's infectious. What brought you about to writing the book, The Age of Influences? Where did you see the need in the market for that? And yeah, let's dive into there. Well, I believe that as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we are content creators. Obviously, as a designer, interior designer, I mean, it, everything you do is is creation, right? But even, even businesses and myself, we have to be in the business of content creation. And I am focused really on the needs of the market. And I understand the needs of the market by when I work with clients, when I teach, when I speak, what are the types of questions that I get asked? And over the last decade, obviously, we've seen different trends in those questions. But I noticed two or three years ago, I was getting a lot of questions, not just about influencer marketing, but also, hey, you know, a lot of marketers want to become influencers themselves. So that got me started into test marketing an idea around a book, which did very well on a, on a Kickstarter-like platform. But as I went deeper, I realized that a lot of businesses have really been, in, in my belief, misled about what is influence in digital and social media. What What is influencer marketing? What are the best ways to work with influencers? So I felt there was a story to tell that influencer marketing is not just about Instagram or TikTok. It's also about things like Twitter and LinkedIn. It's not just photo. It's also video like YouTube. It's even blogs. It's even podcasts. And the interesting thing is the more influence you yield, it's almost like the snowball effect the more that other influencers and other businesses want to work with you. So I found it to be a very, very powerful medium. And most businesses, especially small businesses, okay, we have our website, check. We're doing email, hopefully, check. We have some sort of content marketing blog, what have you, check. We're doing social media. But a lot of that, unless you're doing it really well, is becoming pay-to-play for a lot of businesses. Now, perhaps a lot of the listeners here in interior design are doing them, doing their social media very well organically. But for a lot that aren't, if social media is becoming pay to play, how do you get heard? And that's mm -hmm. really, you know, social media should be about word of mouth marketing. That's what the intent yeah. was. And I believe that when you collaborate in the right way with influencers, that that's how you incite word of mouth about you, about what you do for a living. And on the other hand, if you, do, if you aren't doing that, you're just not going to be heard. You're not going to be noticed. And it very much becomes a pay to play medium. So. Have influencers fallen out of favor a little bit in the marketplace? Are we getting influencer fatigue or is the approach just changing and the, the level of influencers are changing? 
Yeah. So I think when we think about influencers, we think about sort of Kardashian types, people that take photos <laughs> yes. and exotic, you know, and that's the problem is because there is a whole influencer marketing industry that is based on that, that is based on getting big budget dollars from big brands for big numbers of followers, right? And lots of numbers of likes. Uh, I do believe obviously with COVID-19 that that sort of imagery looks very fake right now. Right. And so we even see celebrities now that are just showing up in pajamas. They're just showing up on live streams without all the, you know, well, maybe they are wearing makeup, but it's not as staged as things used to be. And we find that people really want reality. They want to be able to relate to people and that actually works to their advantage. So we have seen a shift in the influencer marketing industry. You know, there used to be something called a micro influencer, which is someone that has over 10,000 followers. And then more recently, we talked about the nano influencer that has <laughs> right. over 1,000. So I talk to business, I say, look around you. Who do you know that has 1,000 followers in any given social network? Who do you know in terms of your employees, your partners, your customers, your followers on social media? There's a lot of people. So I talk about tapping into the influence of the people that already know, like, and trust us before tapping into external people. And the reason is you're going to be a lot more successful. It's going to be a lot more effective. It's going to be more long-term than a single-time transaction. And I do believe a lot of brands are spending less money on bigger influencers and more on nano-influencers and people that, you know, believe it or not, actually use their product. We have seen that here at Wingnut Social, the marketing agency, that it's not so much the macro or mega influencers as it is the nano-influencers and the micro-influencers. Let's get back to the design side. My wheels are turning in my brain. You'll have to forgive me. They're a little slow today, but they are turning. I can hear wagon them. wheels. I know. I got I know. some WD-40 here if you need it. <laughs> hey, I might. You never know. <laughs> So I can wrap my head around this is when you're talking about your nano influencers and you said something about possibly your employees or whatever. So if you're talking about an interior design firm per se, and we've got the construction guy who has 10,000 followers, you need to be tagging him in every possible post that you have that he's done work for you and go and piggyback off of his influence that he has with his 10,000, correct? Absolutely. And have the conversation, hey, you're rocking it. We're rocking. How can we collaborate? Maybe we do an Instagram live together. Maybe we do a video together. Maybe once a month, we just show up on each other's feeds, whatever it is. That sort of collaboration is a natural. Okay. So like your contractor, maybe your window installer, maybe your painter, maybe your any type of your trades or I got it. I got it now. Sorry, you that you WD-40'd me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny because a CEO of one of the largest real estate companies in the United States actually bought the age of influence and said, we want to do this here. And you talked about something that is similar. I know that we sort of overlap with real estate, but it's all about this sphere of influence, right? Mm -hmm. So interior designers probably, they get the sphere of influence, but are they doing the same online that they do offline? When we redefine influence as 1,000 followers as a minimal threshold, there's just more chances with every day that we can work with more of people in our sphere of influence through online collaborations. So you've been noted as saying that influencers are very helpful for startup businesses. Tell us a little bit about that thinking. Well, that's the whole idea of how do you get the word out about your business, right? Okay. It requires money to advertise. I mean, <laughs> there's a famous quote from Henry Ford. I forget what it, but it requires money to make money. So you can spend money trying to build like and know and trust through advertising, or you can work and collaborate with people that already, at least people like know and trust them, right? And therefore, mm -hmm. if they are to talk about your company in an authentic way, 
then obviously that's going to be a quicker way of not only building that like, no, and trust, but inciting word of mouth because an advertisement does not incite word of mouth. It's just, it's paid media. I don't care if it's a Facebook ad, it's an ad, right? So for the interior design industry, and we also speak to the travel and tourism and hospitality industries as well now mm-hmm. here at Wingnut Social. So the classical thinking of working with an influencer is, oh, I'm going to hire Kim Kardashian to go on Darla Powell Interiors and say, you need to work with Darla. She's amazing. We're broadening that a little bit into saying that the influencers are more who's within your span of influence that has anywhere from a thousand to 10,000 followers. And just to do a collab, it's not necessarily paying some celebrity to speak on your behalf because as an interior designer here in Miami, Florida, I'm the face and the brand of Darla Powell Interiors. So I wouldn't really want to get someone to speak for me for that. So I think that's generally how people think about when they think about working with an influencer. I think that's where we've all been miseducated, right? And so, yeah, I've been on some podcasts like in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK where they go, Neil, you know, when you said you wanted to talk about influencer marketing, that that's like a cringe word in that part of the world. Like, oh, influencers, (laughs) you know, eyes roll. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because people have been misled because you have an industry making billions of dollars, pushing people with lots of followers. And then guess what? It creates an economy of people that buy fake followers, people that participate in Instagram pods to build up the number of likes. Right. So the other interesting thing that's changing, I, I do believe the industry is changing for good, is that they look at influencers, let's say nano influencers, right? Not just for content amplification, but for content creation. In other words, working with influencers just to create creative content for you that you can leverage on your website, on your social media, in your ads. That alone is tremendous value because every influencer, the heart of it, they've built up a following through publishing content. So they're probably a content creator at heart. And therefore, if we're not a good content creator, why not tap into all these people around us who are? If they amplify our content, that's even better. But even just the content itself can really help our business. Let's instead of outsourcing content to irrelevant you know, companies, let's actually work with content creators who have a track record on the social network that we want to influence. And we can preview their style just by looking at their feed and collaborate with them in that way. And there's many other ways to collaborate with influencers other than the traditional Hey, will you talk about us? Will you give us a shout out? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about first thing that comes to my mind hearing you say that are the Instagram takeovers. Is that something along the lines of what you're talking about? It could be an Instagram takeover. It could be just a shout out. Hey, here's a thousand dollars. Will you mention my product in a photo? Anything along those lines. And those are valid ways of working together with influencers and takeovers still do occur. But I think that there are a lot of other ways, such as just purely for content creation or content co-creation. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Instagram takeovers because that's something that happens a lot in the interior design industry and elsewhere. We'll have High Point Market. We'll have a designer du jour take over their Instagram for the day or, or et cetera. What are the advantages for the company and the influencer in that kind of relationship? It's really just exposure, right? It's the influencer gets to expose themselves to your world. And obviously, um, your world gets to know more about the influencer. So if you want to take over someone else's account, you're going to be able to obviously push your content. And hopefully if that content is good, it's going to make the other person look good for having you. It also helps them provide, you know, another perspective on their own content, right? Another voice to sort of shake things up. So that's where I think traditionally we've seen the takeovers where you have, and I don't know if I I should even mention his name now, but like the Logan Paul taking over Sour Ah. Patch. <laughs> taking over <laughs> Sour Patch Kids Snapchat back in the day. That was, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it was incredible because he was able to bring his posse over to the Sour Patch Kids account. So ideally, that's 
the relationship you want. And obviously, he was paid for the privilege of doing that. So there's many different ways of doing it. I don't think it's the most popular thing today. I think that a lot of brands started doing that, especially with Snapchat, because they couldn't figure it out themselves. So why not bring in an influencer who gets it? (laughs) In all honesty. I still haven't figured Snapchat out, by the way. (laughs) Our daughter has. Well, TikTok's taken over anyway, but but anyway, yeah. um, yes. for now. But that's sort of the idea there. So it is one, and you know, I have a chapter in my book of like the 17 different ways you can work with influencers because that that's one, right? Just a shout out is another one. Promoted post is another. Content collaboration is another. Doing a mutual Instagram live is another. So there's a lot of different ways. I don't want people to think it's just about paying someone for a one night stand to have one mention, which is the way the marketers have been misled. It's a lot more than that. If you were to pay someone for a one night stand. <laughs> I'm just, oh boy. I'm curious. Let's say that you wanted to reach out to someone like Natalie Riddell, who has 70,000 followers and say, hey, would you talk about A, B, or C for this? How do you determine what the going rate is for nano influencers, micro influencers, et cetera? Is there like a scale or is it just everybody's pulling it out of their butt? How does that work? Yeah. I mean, what's the rate to work with a social media agency, right? It's supply, demand. It's did I wake up feeling good or do I feel like, you know, do I feel like crap today? It, <laughs> do I want to work today? Exactly. Because they're Are you people, scared right? of who you woke up next to? <laughs> do I want to do this webinar? <laughs> Getting back to the one night stand theme. but um, Yeah, I was going back to the one night stand. I'm sorry. I just... But I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's funny because like, hey, you want to get like a famous author on your podcast and they'll never come. But then, oh, they're coming out with a new book in a month. Then you contact them. Then they'll be more than happy to be on your podcast. So it's people, right? For some people, it's not about the money. It's about the prestige of working with brands, or maybe it's something that they really like. So it comes down to a lot of things. At the end of the day, it's supply, demand, it's negotiation, it's a sell. And therefore, the more you do it and the more influencers you work with, the more you understand the market dynamics. And this is where if you were to work with an influencer marketing agency or an agency like yourselves that works with a lot of influencers, or if you were to use some sort of influencer marketing tool that builds some of that into the tool, then you might have a better idea. But yeah, I mean, you know, if an influencer doesn't like you or doesn't want to work with you, they're probably going to give you a really, really expensive price to begin with. If they really want to work with you, they might give you a discount. And on the other hand, what is the value of that to you? Do you measure value by number of impressions, number of engagements? It brings a lot into question, actually. In the form of influence, since you say that sometimes people have been misled in the market, so hashtags can be used as a form of that as well. And by what I mean by that is here at Wingnut Social, we have a branded hashtag, Wow Wingnut, and designers will post their work and put Wow Wingnut, and then in turn, we share that on our page. So is that a type of influence, per se? Yeah, so what you're doing is you're basically leveraging user-generated content, right? And, but the content is actually coming from your fans. And if those fans have more than 1,000 followers, you're having a nano influencer talk about you through a branded hashtag for free. And then you're leveraging influencer content on your profile, which probably makes you look better as well. So that absolutely is. You see a lot of brands. I mean, the traditional way you'd use a branded hashtag is you see like Ritz Carlton or Maersk Shipping, one of my favorite examples, but they'll use the branded hashtag and then they just source 100% of their content on Instagram all comes from their fans. So if everybody using your branded hashtag was also to post the work that you've done for them, it's even more powerful because, hey, Darla's team, this is what they did for us. Check it out. Wow, Wignut. 
And then when you post that, you're almost like posting a recommendation for your products and services right on your profile. That would be the ideal thing to do. That is actually what happens. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, you know, because we do pick the work that we, we like and we share it to our stories. We share it to our feed. And so it's a win-win with the reach and reaching audience, their audience and their work reaching our audience. It's been a very popular hashtag. And just a reminder, if you do want us to share your work, hashtag Wing, not on Instagram or anywhere, really. Well, let us know that that's okay to do and we'll put you out there. It's a win-win-win. It is a win-win-win-win-win-win-win. No. <laughs> <laughs> so see, that WD-40 actually worked. The WD-40 worked. I know. Did it have caffeine in it? I don't know. I could probably <laughs> use some more. A lot of this is mindset. So once you get that traditional way of looking at influencers out of your mind, and I think for the interior designers listening, hopefully they're obviously active on social media. They have a following. Have you ever gone through your followers, right? And just looked at who they are and look at who might be a nano influencer. That's one way that I would start. You know, one of the case studies in my book is like this hotel, I think it was a W Hotel Philadelphia, and they went looking through and there were tons of influencers that were already following them, but that they just didn't realize over time because their followers had grown so big. So that's an obvious one. The other one is that sphere of influence. And it's finding people in your sphere of influence that are active online. And maybe if they're not in your sphere of influence, but they're active online, it's the window washer with 5,000 followers and you know whoever you're working with only has 50 or they're not even on Instagram. It's maybe beginning a relationship with that person, right? And that could provide some additional marketing for you and potentially some additional business. So it's all about who's being listened to, right? Who's getting attention and how can we tap into that to get some of that attention ourselves or ideally to get some business ourselves. So once you have that mindset, you just look at social media very, very differently. You look at social media less about and it is about marketing, don't get me wrong, but you look at it as just an amazing playground for collaboration, right? There's so many people that you can be collaborating with on a bunch of different levels. You know, and if you have that mindset after listening to this podcast, I think I will have succeeded. Yeah, for sure. So can you tell us a little bit more about the hotel, the WK study? After they went through the, the connections there to see who the little micro-influencers were, what action did they take? What happened? Yeah, well, the case study referred to one for photographer in particular. I think the photographer was a micro-influencer that had 30,000 influencers, uh, 30,000 followers, sorry. Right. <laughs> I need some WD-40 myself here. So, <laughs> and I think it was just the process of inviting that photographer. Thank you for following us. We'd love to, you know, set you up in a suite room at our W Hotels Philadelphia for the weekend. All we ask is that you shoot some amazing photography and share it with your followers to share the experience. And this is another way in which we've seen influencer marketing shift in that I'm sort of covering a different point here. But just as the more we work with nano influencers, the more we find people that don't necessarily want money they'll do things for product service experience. And this is a great example of that. Someone that's already a fan saying, oh my God, I'd love to stay there. And yeah, I'll take photography. Heck yeah, right? That's sort of a, you know, a win-win. I mean, if you were to find you know, an actor or actress with 500,000 followers amongst your followers that you hadn't seen before, hey, you know, I'd be more than happy to do a, you know, a, a complete house makeover for you or living room makeover for you if you'd share that with your following. Some people might want that because they may dig your work or they may be on the lookout for that, right? Or maybe, you know, you have like a big YouTuber that's following you. Hey, can I design your set? And can you mention that every time you, you shoot a video? Or can you mention it, you know, the first time that this set was designed by so-and-so? So when you look through your followers, like, huh, these are my micro-influencers, these are my nano-influencers, how could I collaborate with them without even requiring money? I think you find these sorts of ideas. 
My director of social media just did a webinar on how to become an influencer in 2020. I'm a micro-influencer myself for uh, Darla Pal Interiors. And I think that we did cover within the like 20, 10, 20, 30,000 range, you're just really going to get just a lot of free shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much money as much as, but offers like you did describe. Would you like to stay in the hotel or can we send you some free product for you to talk about it on your, we have gotten some of that. So it does exist. Influencer marketing is still alive and well. I want one hotel to offer me a hotel room, Natalie. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. So, <laughs> so, I hear you. <laughs> what kind of ROI can someone expect from maybe engaging with an influencer versus some traditional marketing? Well, that's a great question because the ROI often if we think of like traditional ads, you have an on switch and an off switch. When they're off, they're off, right? But if you're to work successfully with an influencer who is a content creator, they're publishing content, right? And depending on where they publish that content, if it's a blog, for instance, that could live on for years. I still have content from 2008, 2009 that every month generates lots of traffic for me. If it's a YouTube video, that can generate a lot of traffic as well. Podcasts have a long lifespan as well. The challenge mm-hmm. becomes Pinterest, we know, traditionally has a very, very long lifespan, although they're obviously shaking up the algorithm. They want more fresh content. So that yeah. older content might not be as powerful as it used to be. But that's the challenge with Instagram is that, yes, it'll live on for 24 hours. And I have some posts that still a year or two ago I posted, I still get likes from it because it was trending at the time, what have you. But depending on the social media, obviously, that long-term influence is not as great. So that's where, you know, when we look at the ROI, what are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to get people to our website? Are we trying to get people to give us a phone call, ask for a quotation? Are we just looking to create content and perhaps even save money or have more effective content? That's why the ROI, just like marketing or social media marketing, there's so many different objectives and, and the ROI has to be attached to that objective. And then well, without social media, without influencer marketing, how much would it cost? It's like the CEO of a, of a gardening store that hired me as a consultant. He's like, well, what's the ROI of this social media stuff? I'm like, what's the ROI of those <laughs> glossy magazine ads that you put out every month? And he didn't have an answer, right? So, you know, the <laughs> ROI is only as good as, as your objective and your measurement. And it goes the same for non-influencer marketing, non-social media as well. Excellent answer. Very. You, it sounds like you've done this before. Sounds like he might be the expert. <laughs> Just saying, Carla. <laughs> Neil, is there anything that I forgot to ask you that you think that listeners need to hear before we get into the What Up Wingnut round? The influencer piece of the puzzle, there's two sides, right? There's leveraging other influencers that we talked about. And then you hinted at how to become an influencer yourself. I think getting offered a $25 Amazon gift card to go out of your way, right? To receive a product, make sure that someone doesn't rip off your Amazon package, actually photograph it. Think about how you're going to fit it into your own brand and hope that your followers don't hate you for posting it. Um, (laughs) Exactly. It's not worth it. But yielding more influence to be able to work with other influencers and to yield more business, that's where it's at, right? And that's the way I want you to think about it. If you want to become an influencer, I have a chapter in my book. Like Once you realize the power of leveraging influencers, you'll want to yield more influence yourself because guess what? Every time you reach out to an influencer, they're going to go back to your profile. Oh, 100 followers. Forget it. Or I'm going to charge them a lot of money, right? But oh, <laughs> they're a micro-influencer. Holy smokes. Maybe we can <laughs> collaborate, you know? It's just, it, we're people, we, it's social proof. We see it very differently. So for that perspective, you should be going to that webinar if you haven't seen it, and you should be following the instructions, but knowing that you're not going to make a million dollars, but hopefully you'll yield more collaborations with other influencers. And over the long term, it's going to help your business. 
Okay, I do have one more question. What if you just don't have any time <laughs> to do these collaborations? No, I'm just kidding. All right, Neil, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I got my seatbelt fastened. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. Neil Schaefer, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? Well, I would be a giant sequoia because that's the most evergreen of trees. And I always want my content, what I say, to be evergreen in nature. Oh, very thoughtful. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Passion. I'm all about being passionate and serving others, serving my clients, serving my family. And I'm hoping that we have more and more passionate people who fight for what they believe in and what is good. And having that on my tombstone will hopefully remind people that. If you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? Ooh, you know, I would love to be able to, I'd say predict future, but eh, that's sort of overrated. Um, I would just be able to, as I grow older and as I, with the coronavirus pandemic, you sort of revisit life and things. I would love to have the superpower of just being able to be a great cook. I say that because it's not just joy for your family, joy for friends. It gives you a greater appreciation for food. And let's face it, what are we going to spend a lot of time doing outside of sleep and work for our lives? What we eat, right? We're cooking or we're going out. And it's just a central part of culture that I think a lot of people don't appreciate as much. So that would I would love to have that superpower. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you either personally or professionally. Well, it's an older book, but The 4-Hour Workweek is one of these books that really helps you redefine the value that you bring and how you can leverage other people around the world to help you scale and bring more value and do it while maintaining, you know, a higher profit margin. So, you know, we're all entrepreneurs, we're all business owners. So if there are people out there that haven't read it, I highly recommend you do. So that's the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I also read that when I first started my business. I remember reading that in the very beginning of when I started my business and I found that made me want to delegate more and work yep. work smarter, not harder. Yep, absolutely. Is what I my main takeaway from that. Neil, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell the wingnuts where they can go to find out all about your awesome sauce services and we will bid you adieu. Well, my name is Neil Schaefer, and that's where I am everywhere on social and my website. I am the real Neil, so don't make the <laughs> Starbucks Brista fail and spell it like K-N-E-E-L. It's N-E-A-L. And there's a few of us Schaefers out there in marketing. Mine is spelled S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. I uh, obviously published this book called The Age of Influence, which you can find on Amazon or wherever you buy books. And I also have a podcast if you're interested in discovering or delving deeper into this concept of influence and digital and social. It's called Maximize Your Social Influence. All right. Excellent. Thank you for being a terrific guest and influencing the way we think about influencers. See what I did there? And you have an amazing day. It was fun. Thank you so much. Darla Jethro Powell. Yes, Natalie Andreff. Did you learn anything today? I think so. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always wondered about the Instagram takeovers and is it really kind of worth your time? Because that's why at the end there, I was like, what do you do if you don't have time? I really don't. And I've had people ask me if I wanted to do a couple of them. I really just did not have the time or the infrastructure in place to do it at the time between DPI and, and Wingnut, running Wingnut. But now I'm thinking, maybe I want to go back and revisit that and make the time. I know that it helps your reach. That's not new to me. Yeah, but I think he might have shed some light mm -hmm. on the fact of what is an influencer. And I know everybody thinks of all the big names and all the, you know, professionals and the celebrities and whatnot. But look within your own company. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. If you guys did miss Shana's and my presentation on how to become a social media influencer in 2020, you can check that out on our YouTube channel. That's the Wingnut Social YouTube channel over there on, guess what? YouTube. It was actually a very well-received webinar and um, 
take notes, bring a pen. The biggest comment I got from that was, oh my gosh, I had five pages of notes. <laughs> I think we over-delivered on that, which is a good thing. I'm not, I'm not complaining. You were passionate. That was really well done. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I do say so myself, Shana did a good job <laughs> and Karina did a good job and I did Absolutely. okay. I did okay. Absolutely. Natalie, I think that's it for today. Do you have anything else to influence the audience with? Nope, I think that's it. Guys, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on whatever the hell you're listening to this podcast on. If you need help with your social media marketing, send over an email to info at wingnutsocial.com. We'd be happy to hook you up. And that's it for today, Nat. So long. See ya. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 1-877-WINGNUT to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. Wrap it up. That's what she said. I'm hungry. Uh, um, I'm hungry, too. It's only 2.40. So if you can make me sound less stupid. No, I don't know if that's <clears> going to happen. Hard. It's a hard, hard one. But, um, yeah. yeah. It's fun to stay at the PDCA. Okay. I had to stop watching it. I was just like, there's no joy. There's no hope. I can't. I'm going to slip my wrists. Good boy, Mango.